you're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. Good morning, Trinity. My name is Pastor Nick. I'm the senior pastor here. We are one church in multiple locations who share a common mission. That is to help people look, live, and love more like Jesus. And that's part of the reason why we're doing this series that we're calling Walking with the King. That over the course of Lent, uh, these days that lead us to Easter, we're just going to be spending time in the Gospel of Mark, really learning who Jesus is and what it means to walk with him. And so I think it's only right that before we dive into our message for this morning, we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the word that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray together with me. Lord God, we are so grateful that you have set aside this time, this place in which you desire to meet with us. And so my prayer, Lord, is that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive the message you have for us, that we might walk with you and see you for who you are. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So as a pastor, um, I tend to get into spiritual conversations with people all the time. And it's because, you know, whenever I meet someone, I do what everybody does, right? We share names, we talk a little bit about our families, eventually somebody says, what is it you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor, and that apparently is then permission for them to tell me all the reasons that they don't go to church. Um, that's really what it's all about. And they, you know, and they say things like, you know, I, I used to go to church, I was raised in church, I don't want to go to church anymore, I'm not that into this whole Jesus thing, and so on and so forth. And I remember being like, what do, what do I say to that? And I, I talked with a friend of mine um, who's a much more gifted evangelist than me, and I said, what do you say when people, when people say that? And he said, well, one of the things I love to say when they're like, hey, I'm not really into that Jesus thing, is I say, well, tell me about the Jesus that you're not into. And I was like, that's, that's brilliant. And so then I started doing that. And when people are like, yeah, I'm not really into church. I'm not really into that Jesus thing. I'm like, well, tell me, what, tell me about the Jesus you're not into. And at first they kind of like take a step back and like, what do you mean? And I was just like, well, you obviously have an idea of who Jesus is. So t- tell me about him. And tell me what you're not into about him. And one of the things that I find is as I listen to them and they start to describe who, who they think Jesus is, the more I'm like, yeah, I, I wouldn't be that into that Jesus either. Or I wouldn't be that into that church either. I wouldn't be into a God like that either. Because what I find is oftentimes we have these ideas about Jesus, these ideas about God, these ideas about faith and church, and they're a far cry from who he actually is. That often it's our preconceived notions of Jesus and our over-familiarity with Jesus can be some of the greatest barriers to faith for most people. And that's part of the reason why I love this passage from Mark chapter 4. Because here in Mark chapter 4, we learn what it means to actually see Jesus for who he is. And we also encounter some of the, the barriers that get in the way of us really understanding him and walking with him. So if you have your scripture journals with you, I do want to encourage you to open up with me to Mark chapter 4. It's page 22 in your scripture journals, or you can queue it up on your uh, phone if you'd like to follow along that way. My encouragement is bring these scripture journals with you uh, to to worship every week, because we want to study these passages together. Because what we're going to see as we look at Mark chapter 4, specifically verses 1 to 20, is we're going to see three things. We first need to take a look at a surprising scene. Secondly, we need to examine the condition of our hearts. 
And third, we need to understand the quality of good soil. We need to look at a surprising scene, examine the condition of our hearts, and understand the quality of good soil. If you're like, how do those three things come together? Well, let's dive in and we'll take a look. The first thing we have to do is we have to look at a surprising scene. You see, many Christians read Mark chapter 4 verses 1 to 20 as a single scene, a single unit, but there's an important yet subtle shift that takes place that helps us to actually look at this encounter in a totally fresh way. Here's what I mean. I want to see if you can catch it. I'm going to read just a portion of this passage. It says, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. Did you catch it? There's a scene change between verses 9 and 10. There's a scene change between Jesus talking to the crowds and then him explaining everything to his disciples. And when you realize that that's what's happening, suddenly what you see is, is very, very different. Imagine if you were a member of the crowd that morning. Maybe you had heard about this wandering preacher, this miracle worker. You've been encouraged to come out and listen to him preach. And so you get there on the shore and what do you see? You see a carpenter sitting in a fishing boat talking about farming. That's what you get. Because that's really all that they received. They get there, and there's Jesus sitting on the boat, and he's just like, hey, everybody, listen up. There's a farmer. He was throwing out seeds everywhere. Some of it was landing all over the place. Some of it grew. Some of it didn't. I hope you're paying attention. Here endeth the lesson. And he sits down. Shortest sermon ever. And for people who are looking for a crazy sound bite, that's very tweetable. But that's it. That's all they got. And I have to imagine that there are some people in the crowd who saw that were just like, wait, I came out for this? I came out to see some carpenter from Nazareth in a fishing boat talking about farming and really bad farming at that? Like, I'm, I'm, forget it. I'm done. I'm moving on. But others looking at that, they're just like, well, wait a second. Like, Simon invited me to come. He obviously thinks this dude has something to say. I need to follow up and ask what was going on. And they came a little bit closer. And they asked. And what we see in verse 10 is for those who came a little closer, to those who said, what was that all about? Jesus explains everything. Why is that? Why is it that some of us, when we encounter Jesus, are like, I don't have time for this. I don't see how, how it is that this first century carpenter from Nazareth has anything to say. And yet others draw closer. Well, it's because we really need to examine the condition of our hearts. 
We really need to examine the condition of our hearts because Jesus says it has something to do with what's going on beneath the surface. It has something to do with what's in your heart. Because you, the disciples, they come and they say, they, what, what was that all about? You're sitting in a boat, you're talking about farming, and that, that's all? That's all you have to give? And yet Jesus responds with these incredible words in verses 11 and 12. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, see, modern people really struggle with this answer from Jesus, right? They look at that and they're just like, wait a second, is Jesus trying to intentionally keep people from knowing about the kingdom? Is that what he's saying here? But what we need to understand is Jesus is actually paraphrasing from another part of the Bible. He's paraphrasing from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. This Old Testament book about a prophet who lived hundreds of years before. And it's important to understand that context for a moment because in Isaiah chapter 6, what we find is that God's people, the people of Israel, have stopped listening to their God. They've stopped following his ways. They've stopped meditating upon his word. They're following after other gods. And so God comes down in his glory in the temple and there's Isaiah. And Isaiah kind of falls down on his face and God begins to speak and he says, who am I going to send with my message? Who will I send to speak to my people? And Isaiah goes, ooh, ooh, pick me. I, here I am, I'll go. And then God says, all right, well, let me tell you what your career is gonna be like. I'm gonna give you my words. I'm gonna have you speak my message and no one's gonna listen to you. From the moment you start to the moment you die, no one's gonna respond. They're going to see, but they're not really going to see. They're going to hear, but they're really not going to understand. And as you preach, as my messenger, that will reveal their hearts. It's an act of judgment. And when Jesus picks up on these words from Isaiah, he's saying, that's what my teaching does. It reveals people's hearts. It shows what's going on beneath the surface. There are those who are hardened. There are those who are open. There are those who are going to struggle. But that's what my teaching does. It reveals the heart of those around me. And what I love is he then goes on to say in verse 13, he says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? See, what Jesus says, he says, this parable is the key to understanding all of my teaching. This parable is actually the key to understanding me and my ministry, and why I came, and what I'm here to do, and the message that I have to bring. So you have to get this one. It's not only the key to understanding all of his parables, it's key to understanding Jesus because it's a parable about our hearts. And, one of the, and he says, and one of the reasons many people walk away, one of the reasons many people don't respond to the message is because there are barriers in their heart which keep them from receiving it. And as he gives his explanation, what we encounter is actually that there are three. There are three barriers to receiving Jesus that he talks about here. The first barrier is what we would call spiritual hardness. Spiritual hardness. This is what he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. He says some of us just aren't interested in spiritual things. 
We hear conversations about church and faith and God and Jesus and prayer, and we're just like, I'm not interested. I, I, no, I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested in talking about it. Uh, you know, you do you. If that's good for you, fine. I'll do me, whatever. Doesn't really matter. There's no way this first century carpenter from Nazareth has any modern relevance for our lives today. When we hear things about God and faith, we just don't even want to give it a second look. Jesus says this is spiritual hardness. And the danger with this is, is that we've bought into the lie that that is somehow a neutral position. It's like, hey, you know, you want to be religious and go to church, that's fine for you, that's not good for me, whatever, everybody's got their own path, right? But Jesus says, no, there's no such thing as spiritual neutrality. You're either moving toward the kingdom of God or away from it. That there are actually spiritual forces at work that are trying to draw you away from me. That's why he talks about Satan coming and immediately snatching away the word. You're either going with the flow or you're swimming against the current, but you will never be standing still. There's a spiritual reality, but oftentimes we don't respond to it because our hearts are too hard. We're just not interested. He says that's the first barrier. The second barrier is life's difficulties. Life's difficulties. He says, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. He says, some of us have bought into the lie that when we start to follow Jesus, magically everything's going to get better. Magically, it's going to become more comfortable. It's going to be more smooth sailing. That by following Jesus, he's just going to bless us and life is going to be perfect and so on and so forth. This is, by the way, extremely popular today in the United States, right? There are preachers on television who tell you, God just wants to bless you. And what they mean by bless you is give you your own private jet and make sure you have great health care. Just give a little bit in the bucket and he's going to multiply it and you're going to have the house you always wanted. And yes, they, some of them are from Texas. Sorry, Roy. I apologize. <laughs> but we've bought into this lie that, like, if I say yes to Jesus, then magically my life is going to be smooth sailing. It's going to be totally comfortable. He's never going to ask me to do anything that gets me outside of my comfort zone. Nothing's going to be challenging. Everything's going to be fine. I will never encounter difficulties in my workplace, my job, my relationships, none of that. And here's the thing. Jesus never promises that. Sorry. I'm really passionate about this. Can you tell? He never promises that. Never once. In fact, over and over again, he says, hey, look, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You want to come after me? You have to take up your cross and follow me. That's a sign of suffering and death. The closest he gets to talking about blessings is when his, uh, this rich young ruler comes and says, hey, I, I want to follow you. And Jesus says, all right, you want to follow me? Sell what you have, give it to the poor, and then come and walk with me. And he walks away. And the disciples are like, whoa, what's that all about? And he's just like, it's really hard. It's really hard to follow me. They're like, well, we gave up everything. He's like, I know. And don't worry, anyone who's given up, you know, homes and and family and relationships for me and the gospel will, will not fail to receive just as much homes and family and relationships. But then he goes, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. He says it's going to be hard. It will be challenging. It will test you. It will test your relationships. It will test your career plans. 
It will test your very life. But it's worth it. Because now you're living in a kingdom that has no end. These temporary things, these temporary challenges are but small moments in the grander story of what I'm doing and of who I've called you to be. But it's not easy. And there are some people who, he says, the reason that they fall away is because they've bought into this lie that discipleship is somehow supposed to be comfortable. It isn't. And that's the second barrier, is life's difficulties. But the third barrier is actually the lure of materialism. Now, some of you have been in church the past couple weeks, you're like, didn't you just preach on that, Nick? Yes, I did. Why? Because Jesus preaches on it all the time. And he's doing it again. Here's what he says. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. He says, sometimes we become so engrossed in the here and now of living that we stop following Jesus. That we look to other temporary treasures for our deeper satisfaction, and that prevents us from responding to his word. We cling to what we have. We latch onto it and we say, I'm not going to give that up because I've earned this. This is mine. And Jesus says, and as long as that's the case, you will never follow me into the kingdom that I've called you to be a part of. The lure of materialism will be one of those things that can get in the way and make you unfruitful. These are three barriers. Spiritual hardness, life's challenges, the lure of materialism. He says all these get in the way. It's part of the reason many people don't respond or they only respond for a while and then fall away. But there is one other kind of soil. It's good soil. And we need to understand the quality of good soil. Because he goes on and he says this, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. He says it is possible to be good soil. So what makes a good soil a good soil? What I think is funny is what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, good soil means that you have a lot of spiritual knowledge. He doesn't say that good soil means that you have a lot of theological insight. He doesn't even say good soil means that you're a morally perfect person. What makes good soil a good soil? Did you hear what he said? He says, it's those who hear the word and accept it. It has nothing to do with your theological knowledge, your spiritual understanding, or your moral performance. It's simply those who are listening. And in fact, if you're really paying attention very closely to Mark chapter 4, that's the thing that he says over and over and over again. When he first begins teaching his parable, his very first word is, listen. He gets to the end of the parable and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 20, right here, it's those who hear the word and accept it. And then he goes on in verse 24 and says this, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. And the reason that the secret of the kingdom is given to his disciples is not because they're the smartest, not because they're the best, but it's because they're the ones who come and say, hey, I don't understand. 
And he says, you are good soil because you know you don't understand. You are good soil because knowing that you come closer and you ask more. I don't understand. I don't get it. Please tell me more. And Jesus says, to you it's been given. That's what it means to be good soil. It's to admit you don't know. You don't understand. And to come to Jesus and say, I want more. And he gives it. He gives it to them. And this is one of the things I love about Jesus. Is he is constantly encouraging people to come closer. Jesus loves people with questions. He loves people with doubts. He loves skeptics and those who wrestle. You don't have to be a theological know-it-all to walk with Jesus. You just have to be willing to get a little closer and say, I don't get it. Because when you do, he says, let me explain it to you. Let me provide for what you lack. Let me teach you what you don't understand. He is so patient with those who ask questions and with those who are wrestling. I'm grateful that he is because that was me. I wasn't raised in church. I was very skeptical. And as a teenager, as I started to ask questions, what I found over and over and over again is that Jesus was constantly providing answers. Every time I came and said, I don't get it, answers were given. I don't know if you realize this, but we live in a very unprecedented time. What I mean by that is, is you actually have the ability here in America now to get to know more about Jesus than any other civilization on the face of the planet. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? You actually have the Bible in your own language and you get to pick which version. But on top of that, there are podcasts, worship concerts, Christian books, conferences, websites, and so much more at your fingertips dedicated to helping you learn more about who Jesus is. More than any other civilization on the face of the planet, we actually have an ability to draw closer and to understand. And the question is, what are you doing with all the seed that he's thrown out to you? You know, on the day when God comes again, I'm sure that there are going to be many excuses for why people didn't follow him, but one of the dumbest ones is the Americans who come and say, oh, I didn't follow you because I didn't have enough information. What are you talking about? Jesus says, you have it all at your fingertips. And he's constantly at work sowing the word because he wants you to understand that's the kind of generosity that he has. What is the measure you're using? Because over and over and over again, what we see is that when we come and we ask questions and we say, I don't get it, I can't do it, it's not possible, Jesus says, I will give you everything that you require. The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. Have you seen the generosity of the sower? He doesn't go around me like, oh, wait, that's hard ground, never mind, I'll hold on to the seed. He doesn't go over here and be like, oh, no, there's rocks. I'm going to hold on to the seed. Oh, no, there's thorns. Can't do it. He's throwing it out all the time. He never stops. He's continually pouring out what he has so that more people might hear, so that more might receive the invitation, so that more might know that you can come closer because I've come to provide what you are longing for. And not just his word, but his very life. 
he leaves heaven to come down into this world to rescue us. That when we don't get it, he keeps teaching. When we're struggling, he keeps healing. Even when people receive the healing and walk away, he heals some more. Over and over and over again, he pours out and pours out and pours out that more people might come to finally see him for who he is. So dedicated is he to helping us see him, know him, enter into his kingdom that he was willing to give his very life for us. Dying on a cross in our place, being buried in a tomb, rising again from the dead, throwing the door open and saying, the kingdom is available. Just come closer. Everything that you desire, I will provide. Everything that you find confusing, I will give answers to. That when you struggle, when it's hard, get closer. Because I've come to you that you may have life. Over and over and over again, his promise is that he will help us see more and more. That what starts as a tiny little mustard seed of questions can grow into a mighty oak of faith because of the generosity of the sower. So don't be discouraged. Don't let the questions and the doubts get in the way. Bring them to Jesus and let him deal with them because he is generously at work inviting us into his kingdom and providing for everything that we lack. Let he who has ears to hear, hear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that in your generosity you provide us with everything that we require. That even when we struggle with doubts and questions, you generously provide the answers that we need. That you are busy and at work throwing out the seed of your word, sharing good news that we might hear and understand and receive the kingdom. Lord, forgive us for our hard, shallow, and distracted hearts. We do pray that you would break up hard ground, remove stones, uproot thorns, that we would be good seed, or good soil to receive your good seed, that we'd be good soil that receives what you so generously give, that our lives would bear fruit for you and for your kingdom. And so help us to bring all that we wrestle with to your feet that you might respond with the good news of your kingdom. It's in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way, and we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.